This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to start off at verse 1. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us living in these days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of his son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things and all time. The sun is is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. I like a lot of passion translations. A lot of them do quite a good job. I think anyway. I want to speak to you this morning on the author and the finisher. The author and the finisher. We've been talking about the value and the importance of beliefs. And I just want to continue with that. Everyday situations speak to me a lot about kingdom truths and realities. And they're quite simple and and perhaps quite simplistic in their application. But they're, they're quite powerful because I think that it speaks to me particularly, about fundamentals that are are, are so important to us as Christians. Um, It's getting to the end of football season. So the boys, uh, well, Carter played yesterday, had their football game. And I was sitting out at their football game, and, and it's interesting watching because these are the strange things that come into my head when I'm watching football. I don't like to talk to anybody when I play football. I Unless it's between plays. I kind of like to walk up and down the field and watch what's going on. And don't interrupt. I'm busy. Anyway, while I'm doing stuff like this, I often think about things. This is what I thought about. I'm watching all the different players on the field. When you play rec ball, there's something interesting that happens. All you have to do is sign up to be a part of the team. When you sign up, you get a jersey. The thing about it is, the team is actually composed of so many different people. And you have people on the team who want to be there. And perhaps they have a limited skill set and they haven't got a lot of experience. But they're working really hard at doing something. Because they want to be an integral player. They want to be somebody who makes a contribution to the team who does things. So they work really hard at it. You have other players who just seem to have a gifting for things. And they do really well at it. They still work hard. You have other players that are as lazy as can be. I can tell you this because nobody else is here and I won't mention names, but we've got one player on the team who is as lazy as can be. And the funny thing about it is you go to practice and during the week everybody's doing their thing, everybody's doing their drills, everybody's practicing. He's always the last because he makes no effort. The funny thing about it is you can get away with it and you can cheat it when you're in practice. But game day rolls around. And the thing is, when it comes to game day, you don't get to cheat it. When it gets to game day, you've got to deliver. Because the opposition is there. And they don't sit and say, gee, sorry, you didn't work really hard. 
during conditioning. Sorry that you don't have the energy. Sorry that you don't have the perseverance. Sorry that you don't have the stamina. Sorry that you don't have the wherewithal. Sorry that you don't know the place. Sorry that you're not at a place where you're able to deliver. And I thought, you know, it's very similar to us as Christians. God invites us to be a part of the team. And when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you get the jersey. You become part of the team. But the thing about it is, you get out of it what you put into it. Everybody's going to get out of it what we put into it. And there are some Christians who are happy just to wear the jersey. And they're happy to rock up at rehearsals and they're happy to rock up at practice and happy to rock up at conditioning. But there's not much of an effort because I've got the jersey. I'm going to be there on play day anyway. But there are other players who sit and say, you know what? I want to go somewhere with this. I want to do something. I want a sense of reward. I want a sense of gratification. I didn't just sign up so that I was part of a sport. I wanted to do something with it. And because of that, they committed to it and they get involved in it and they put in effort effort and energy and they do stuff with it. Do stuff with your Christianity. When you do stuff with your Christianity, you're going to get a reward from it. When you do stuff with your Christianity, you're going to get a sense of fulfillment. But it's up to us whether we choose to do that or not. The thing about playing football is a lot like Christianity. Because you never get to the end of it. I don't care how many players you know. I don't care how fit you are. I don't know. It doesn't matter how, how great and, and, and um, finely tuned your skill set is. You can always learn something more. There is always a new realm that you can get into where it was like, wow, that was fantastic. I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't know that I could experience that. It's the same with God. You're dealing with the author and the finisher. We're never going to have full comprehension of it. So don't get disillusioned if on your journey you, you, you get to play day and maybe you get tackled. Don't get disillusioned if you get to that point where you sit and say, you know what, it was tough. It's okay. We're all learning. We're all growing. The thing is, do you have the hunger? Do you have the hunger? There's a fundamental truth to Christianity that I often talk about because I I think it's so fundamental to me and it's so important to the crux of what we're all about. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new. All things. For a lot of Christians, all things haven't become brand new. Their nature changed, but their character is still the same. We're made up of two important parts, our character and our nature. We don't get to change our nature. You can't change your nature. A bird's nature is to fly. A fish's nature is to swim. We were sinners. We don't get to change that. Unless we realize what Jesus did to us and we accept it through grace and we become a new creation in Christ. But that's nothing we can do. It's all as a result of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is the only one who can change our nature. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I have the life of God that's living on the inside of me. My nature's changed, but my character's still the same as it used to be. Your character is defined by the choices you make. How do you decide to live your day? How do you decide to interact with things? How do you decide to respond to things? How are you handling life's challenges? How we choose to do those things is our character. Sometimes we people 
who look like we dressed in the 80s, but we're living in October 2019. <laughs> Have you ever met people like that? They grew up in the 80s, and they loved the 80s. And they had the 80s hairdo, and they, they had the 80s outfits on. And they listened to 80s music, and they used 80s colloquialisms. And they still go back and watch 80s movies, reruns of everything. But they're living in this day and age, but they're stuck in the 80s. And sometimes that's what happens to us as Christians. We get born again, and God brings us into October 2019. But you know what? I'm still living from 30 years ago. Or 40, however many it might be. I don't embrace where I am right now. And the result of it is I don't experience anything new and different because I'm stuck back there. And a lot of Christians are like that. I've become a new creation in Christ. My nature has changed. But my character's stuck in the 80s. It's got that frou-frou hairdo and it's got shoulder pads on. And it's listening to Wham and Boy George and who knows what all else. And I don't understand why I'm, I'm struggling to relate and deal with things in this day and age. It's because I'm, I'm not here. It hasn't been made new. Every part of me is to become new. The invitation is all things have become new. In the way that you're dealing with life and people and situations, is it the same way that you've always dealt with it or is it new? Because if it's the same way, you've got to sit and say, you know what, maybe there's a place where there's something I'm missing right here. Because all things, there's no exclusion. It's a big word, all. It means everything. All things have become brand new. Mark. Chapter 16, verses 17 says, These signs shall follow those who believe. These signs shall follow those who believe. It's not just about changing our character, but there is potential and there is opportunity that exists for people who believe. There is something that is incredibly powerful about belief. What Jesus is talking about and what Jesus is saying is if you want to move into something else, if you want to walk into a new realm, if you want to experience what it is to live the true Christian life, it's all based on and it is all uh, predicated on our, this little world called belief. These signs shall follow those who believe. So belief becomes really important because belief becomes the gateway to something. It's important for me to understand what that is. Matthew chapter 20. Sorry, Matthew chapter 19 verse 26. Says with, Jesus is talking and he says, With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. We love that scripture and we get so excited about it. And the thing is, you don't have to work terribly hard to get people converted to that thought. Doesn't matter whether people go to church or not, there's still people who believe in God in some form or another, but they still are aware that this higher power has the ability to intervene and do things in life that we as mere mortals aren't able to do. When you speak to people about possibilities with God, people get excited about that because what it really means to them is that God is able to come and God is able to play a role in my life, in my situations, in my circumstances. He's able to bring about change and transformation in a way that I'm not able to do. People like that. People like the possibilities that go with the fact that God can do all of those things. 
The thing about it is that Jesus never left it there. Because in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus is talking and he said, Only believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. He takes the same phrase, with God all things are possible. And he brings it and he puts it at a very personal level. And what he says is, you know what, those things that you got excited that God can do. You know those things that you spoke about and that you were looking forward to because God had the potential to do those things. He's saying those things are available and accessible to you if you believe. This is where we get in digestion. We're okay with the idea that God can do it. We don't have a problem with that. You don't have to, that's not the hard sell. The hard sell is when you take the words of Jesus, who says, only believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So our belief becomes really important. What is this belief thing all about? It really becomes quite fundamental that we begin to get, gain a deep understanding as to what this is. Because it opens up opportunities for us and it's the doorway to living in a way that we ha- perhaps we've looked at and we've thought about but we've never been able to experience. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm something new. And whatever this new thing is, is going to be given form and is going to be given, given expression to some degree through this concept called belief. Beliefs are powerful. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about the fact that the reason that a belief is so powerful is because if you have a look at it, it's a compound word. It's made up of two parts. It's made up of a first part called be and the second word called leaf. And as a composite, what it really means is be speaks about your being, your identity, who you are. And leaf comes from the word lieber, which means love. It means to be in love with, to be in love with. Careful who you let into your heart. Because when you let somebody into your heart, you will fall in love with them. And when you fall in love with them, it's a dangerous thing. Because when you fall in love with somebody, what ends up happening is it's all-encompassing. When you fall in love with somebody, what ends up happening is it becomes something that becomes all-consuming in the way that you think. You consider that person. You think about that person with regularity. You think about yourself with that person. You tend spend time considering them. It begins to be something that doesn't only affect the way that you think and the psychology of who you are, but it begins to also infiltrate and have an influence in your emotional set. And all of those things begin to come into play. And when they begin to come into play, there's a physiological response in in terms of our, our, our serotonin levels, which are affected by it. Dopamine levels, which go through the roof. And I suddenly I just feel euphoric about things. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. It's important because what we're talking about is when you fall in love with somebody, it becomes something that affects your entire being. When you fall in love with somebody, you start to feel so much better about yourself. You feel good. Life feels good. You start to entertain thoughts and ideas that you never considered before. You go to places and you start to engage in activities that you never used to do before. All of a sudden, you're at a place where you start to consider your future in light of what it would be like with this person. Why? Because these are all things that go with being in love. The point of it is this. It's something that affects the very fundamental part of who we are. And it affects every part of our being and infiltrates it. It gives us a cohesive response to that individual. 
That's why when somebody falls in love with somebody and it's the wrong person, it's really difficult to get them to change their mind. Because you sit and say to them, can't you see all these things that are a problem with that individual? Can't you see that they're not going anywhere in life? Can't you see that it's a dead end? But you know what? It doesn't matter. Why? Because I'm in love with them and I'm committed to them in my entire being, not just in my intellect. What God's saying is this. He wants to take the truth of who he is and he wants to present it to us in a way that he romances us with what he is and who he's all about. He wants to present it to us in a way so that we will take that and we will begin to allow that into our heart because when we allow it into our heart and we allow it to infiltrate the very core of our being, what will end up happening is we'll find ourselves at a place where we are in love with the concept and the idea that God is feeding us. We fall in love with the truth of what God's telling us. And so when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if we allow that to begin to define my being, it's something that has an all-encompassing effect on who I am not just the way that I think and the way that I feel there is a physiological response to it in all ways it affects who I am and what I'm all about that's what he's looking for he's looking for us to get established in a new reality and get ourselves pitted in a new person so that our paradigm to life and the way that we approach life is different to what we used to be it becomes brand new I'm becoming brand new in a very practical sense God's word is not information. God, Jesus, neither one of them ever spoke about the word being information. Whenever they spoke about the word, they spoke about the word in the context of spirit, life, and light. Why? Because if I speak about information, I'm speaking about giving you a whole bunch of facts about God. It's something that will affect you in your mind and will have some cerebral influence in you. And yes, it might be a reference point that you're able to access if you're having a conversation with somebody or if you want to have a debate about a particular whatever it might be. The problem with it is it doesn't carry with it the power of transformation. Light carries with it the power of transformation. Turn off all the lights in here. Sit in the blackness and turn on one light, the smallest light. And you know what happens? Darkness goes. What happens? Transformation happens. The space is affected as a result of light coming into that place. My word is light. What is he talking about? When you take that and you allow it into your heart, what it it begins to do is it begins to illuminate that space and begins to introduce you into opportunities and introduce you into new ways of being that you were not before. My word is life. The desert is dead. You create spaces where you give it life and you end up with an oasis. Life is transformational. It changes the space where it finds itself. When we take God's word and we begin to put God's word on the inside of us, when we get God's word, not in our head, but in our heart, what we do is we put it in that central core area of our life where it's able to take root and it's able to present itself to us so that we can fall in love with that. What does fall in love mean? We allow it access to define my being. I'm not who I used to be. I'm taking what God has given me and allowing it to make me this new person that I'm supposed to be. This new person that I'm supposed to live from. It becomes important because I'm creating a new reality inside of myself. 
I'm creating a new reality in terms of who I am. And the substance that's being created is something called faith. Faith comes by and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing light. Faith comes by hearing life. And when that comes in and it begins to affect my entire being, what ends up happening is it starts to develop a new structure on the inside of me. Then the material that forms the structure or the foundation is called faith. Faith and belief have a very close relationship to one another. You cannot remove the one from the other. But they're not the same thing. They're still slightly different. And it's important that we understand the relationship between the two because when we do, it opens up opportunities for us. When you have a look at the word faith in the Greek, it comes from a word called pistis. Faith. It's a noun. Faith is the substance. It is that which undergirds. If you have a look at belief, it comes from, in the Greek word, it's pisteo. The root word is pistis. What it is, is it's a verb. What it is, is to take faith and put it into action. Take faith and allow it to have influence. When you take the substructure of your life that the word of God is created and you allow it to romance you and you fall in love with the truth of what God is presenting to you, it begins to affect every part of your being. And when you believe in that, what you're doing is you're really acting on faith is what you're doing. The two are inextricably linked. Your foundation becomes really important because your foundation begins to define your being. In Matthew um, chapter 8, it tells us a story about the centurion who went to Jesus. And his servant was ill and needed to be made whole. And he went to Jesus and he said to him, Will you heal my servant? And Jesus said, Sure, not a problem. Let's go. I'll, I'll come with you now. Let's go off to your house. And he said, No, 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 no. You don't need to do that. He said, It's quite okay. He said, I, I understand authority. Authority. He said, you know, I have people who work with me and I have soldiers who work with me all the time. And I say to this one, go and he goes. And I say to that one, come and he comes. And I say to this one, do this and he does it. He said, I understand all of that stuff. He says, you don't need to come. If you just speak the words, he'll be healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen so great a faith in all of Israel. What is he commenting on? He was commenting on the reality on which the man had established his life. He was talking about the fact, he was, he was commenting on the man's identity, not what the man knew. He was commenting on who he was and, and his belief. He was commenting on who he was and his identity. What gave that man influence was not the fact that he knew a whole bunch of stuff. It was because of who he was. He had grown up in the ranks as a soldier. He knew what it was to be disciplined. He knew what it was to prepare for battle. He knew what it was to go into battle. He knew what it was to be a person who had to subject his body to all kinds of stuff to get it to a place where it could do what it needed to do. He was a person who had accomplished, and as the foundation to his life, he was an accomplished soldier. And as a result of being an accomplished soldier, they said, you know what? We're going to give you an accolade. And we're going to give you a title. 
It's because of who he was that he got the title. He didn't get the title and that made him who he was. If you have a title without a foundation, the problem with it is it's hollow. The reason that he could behave the way that he was is because he knew who he was. I'm the centurion. I've been there and I've done that. I've got the respect of everybody around me because they recognize where the authority comes from. It's who I am. It goes beyond my title. It goes to who I am as an individual. And when he says, do this, it happens. What he was saying to Jesus was this. I recognize you're in the same place as I am. And I recognize that there is a foundation to your life. And there is something that's established on the inside of you. There is a reality that defines who you are. Which transcends your label simply as the Messiah or the prophet from God or whatever people want to call you. And he said, I recognize that out of that flows authority. And he said, all I'm asking from you to do is just... Just use the authority, use the expression of who you are, and you'll bring about change. And Jesus said, I haven't seen anybody who recognizes faith like this man. Faith is the substance. Faith is a noun. It's the faith, is the, the new reality that we begin to build our life on. And when we spend time meditating on God's words, we fall in love with them, with the, which affects all of our being. Faith is important because faith connects us with two eternal truths. One is God and the other is his word. Faith connects us with God and his word. Do you know that God doesn't have faith? God is faith. You know that. It's not an attribute that he's like, oh, I also have this. He is faith. So what happens is, that's why when God says, light be, light is. Because he is a faith God. It is part of his nature. So when you take a part of God's word, God and his word are one. When you take a part of God's word and you begin to allow that to come in and to begin to define the new foundation of your life, really what you're doing is you're taking a part of God's nature and you're allowing it to have expression inside of who you are. Your faith is a connection point between you and God. Your faith is a connection point between you and God's word. Why is God's word important? Because God's power is in his word. God is upholding all things by the power of his word. God's power is in his word. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm building the new identity. I'm building the new pew. I'm building the new person that's going to live from from a, a victorious standpoint, from aspects of who I am. I'm building my nature into it. I'm building my power into it. Why? Because the power of your reality comes from the author of your reality. The power of your reality comes from the author of your reality. Authority's root word is author. When God authors your new foundation, he is the author. All authority comes from him, not from you. 
That's why when he establishes you in a truth and you begin to live from that truth and you begin to speak that truth, what you're doing is you're speaking God's words. What you're doing is you're living in the expectation of change. Not because of who I am, but because God's words, which represent his power, are on the inside of me. And when I speak those things, the author is sitting saying, I'm validating that. Make sure it happens. That's the challenge, and that's the difference between Christianity and people who sit and say, oh, it's just mind over matter. It's not mind over matter. Because when it's mind over matter, you're the author. When you're the, ma- when you're the author of what you would like to do, you're responsible for making sure that it happens. That's why people live with unfulfilled dreams, unfulfilled ambitions. That's why pe- people live with unfulfilled hopes. What authored it? When you find out what authored it, it puts us at a place where we begin to recognize what power goes behind that and endorses it to make sure that there's transformation and change. I'm stepping into something new. I'm becoming a new person. I'm not the person that I used to be. And the person that I'm beginning to realize is a person that isn't going to be defined by who I am and what I think and what I'm all about. The person that I'm becoming in the way that I'm going to live is going to be somebody who's authored by him. Somebody who's going to sit and say, I'm going to take a part of my nature and I'm going to put it into who you are. I'm going to take my word and I'm going to put it into who you are. Because my word is not going to only bring about change and transformation in you. But what it's going to do is put you in a place where it transforms your identity. And so the very truth that's established on the inside of you begins to define who you are. And when it begins to define who you are, you're able to live and move and speak from that place. Like the centurion. Just say the word and things will happen. Why? Because it's not me speaking. It has everything to do with the authority that's coming out of me. It has everything to do with the authority that's grounded and rooted in who he is and his word. So we find ourselves on a journey. Galatians tells me, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's starting to get down to a practical reality. I'm starting to understand what he's sitting saying. I'm starting to realize why he's inviting me into a new way of doing things. He wants me to let go of the 80s. He wants me to crucify that old way of living and looking and talking and listening. And he's sitting saying, I'm inviting you into something new. There is a relationship between God and his word. And the tool that he's decided to use to bring about change and transformation in us is his word. There is not an incongruence between the word and Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If you want Christ to live on the inside of you, it means that my life has to move to a place where it becomes more and more congruent with the word of God. Any place of incongruency between me and the word, in the way that I think, in the way that I live, in the way that I behave, in the way that I anticipate, in the way that I speak, any incongruence is showing that really what's happening on the inside of me hasn't moved to that place of newness yet. So the opportunity and the invitation is for us to have a look at those things and sit and say, well, what am I going to do with it? 
The life of Christianity is a life of growth and transformation. He's taking us to that place where he not only authored who he wants us to be, but he's going to complete that as well. But we have to be people who are dependent on him to move us to that place. We have to be people who have the integrity and who have the courage to be able to look at some of the realities in our lives where there's a disparity between the word and who I am. Anytime you're faced with something that you don't like about yourself, what it's saying to you is, what do you want to do with it? I'm just going to live with it. It's not that important. Or you're going to change it. These are all the things that they cover when they go to football practice. Because Saturday is game day. And if I don't iron this out during the week, when I hit game day, what ends up happening is it gets the better of me. We can cheat people around us because we can look really good and we can look really holy and we can look really spiritual, but we don't get to cheat life. The thing about it is there is a healthy place to be authentic about who we are. It's okay if you're not perfect. I know that this is probably going to be the most shocking truth that you're going to be faced with this morning, but you will never be perfect. (laughs) Until you die... And you, go, you, you move on to, to glory. You are not going to be perfect. Why? Because you are still wrapped in your humanity. So the fact is, you're not perfect. You're on a journey like everybody else. It's okay to be there. In fact, it's quite healthy because what ends up happening is when I can sit down comfortably in that place and sit and say, I'm on a journey and I'm moving to a place where I'm discovering who this new person is. I'm discovering who this new identity is. I'm allowing it to transform me and change me. It puts me at a place where I'm open to people's input into my life. So that when your husband or your wife says to you, you know, that's really not a very nice thing. I don't bite the head off and pretend it doesn't exist. Because I'm mature enough to sit and say, Ooh, you know me better than anybody. So if you're really seeing stuff like that, you're probably the one who's brave enough to tell me. Everybody else is seeing it, but nobody else says anything. God wants to do something incredible in our life. I haven't got time to get into it now, and I might touch on it next week. But there is a reason. There is a reason why it's imperative for us as born-again believers, to start to establish a new reality in our lives. Because the way that we think God works is really not the way that God has ordained it. When God gave man dominion over the earth, what God really said is, I'm giving you authority to have influence in places. And what he really did by his words is he put himself in a little bit of a precarious situation. Because he had given that authority to man, What ended up happening is God never had the sovereign right to come in and intervene in situations. That's why Jesus had to come as a man. Because a man who lost it, or our authority, a man had to win it back. That's why Jesus had to come back as a man. The point is this. Because God has given man dominion over the earth, the fact is that God doesn't work sovereignly and just intervene in any way that he wants. God has to work through man. 
He's looking for opportunities in your life. You are to be the light. You are to be the life. You are to be the transmitter. You, be, you are to be the one that, that is the conduit between heaven and earth, bringing heaven to earth. That's our role and responsibility. And very often it answers a lot of questions about why we wonder why God in his sovereign right doesn't intervene in certain circumstances and situations. He's looking for opportunity. What he's saying, I've been knocking for a long time. I'm trying to get into your situations. The problem with it is I can't get into your heart. So if you want me to have influence there, you've got to let me have influence here first. Because when I can start to change the reality of your life and the expectation of your life, when I get you established in a place of authority, what it does is it allows you to take my authority and have influence there, and I'll back it up because I'm the author. 